Hi and welcome back everyone to Mike on Money. My name is Michael LeBlanc, Director and Senior Portfolio Manager at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. And thank you for joining us here today uh, where we talk about everything financial, things that can help your financial planning, things that can help your portfolio, just your overall uh, financial health. So join us every week uh, where you can find out uh, more things, get caught up on what's going on in the world and see how you can improve your uh, overall goal setting and financial plans for the future. With that, uh, keep in mind everything that we talk about here today is uh, ed educational only for your information. Uh, do not take it as advice. Everyone's situation is unique. Always go to a professional financial advisor or do your own due diligence before applying any of these strategies to your portfolio. You can always reach us at mikeonmoney.com. You can uh, find more information there. Certainly you can uh, find our contact information email us, make an appointment, give us a call, whatever is easiest for you. We're, we're happy to help out in any way that we can. So with that, we're going to talk today about healthcare, global healthcare. It's top of everyone's mind this day. Of course, we've got the ongoing pandemic. Everyone's talking about, uh, you know, the, the vaccines, the treatments, and, and how does that affect investing? You know, should you have healthcare in your portfolio? What does that look like? And, uh, and how you can go safely, uh, go about it safely, investing into healthcare in your portfolio. So we're gonna give you a caveat before we get started. I'm not a huge fan of the pharmaceutical industry as a whole. So uh, all that means though is uh, there's a lot of inherent risk, especially on the development side. So there's a lot of juniors, uh, startup uh, research firms that of course, uh, you know, they're out there developing drugs, you know, even pre-pandemic, they're out there developing pharmaceutical uh, medications. And, you know, they gotta go through phase one, phase two, phase three, and of course, that's where we are with the vaccines now in the phase three trials, and that's where they move to approval uh, levels. <clears throat> there's, a, there's a lot of those stages that are very capital intense, which means they raise a lot of capital, and if they fail at any of those stages, which many, many of them do, those stocks or those investments can take a big hit. So I'm not a big fan of those. There's been a lot of promising stories, a lot of great uh, developments that have happened, uh, but a lot of risk inside that sector. So I'm not a huge fan of that lower end of the sector, um, the early stage, the smaller companies, uh, because they do carry a lot of risk. But I'm gonna focus today on if you wanna invest, you wanna look at some of the larger firms, the global firms uh, that can actually make a difference to your portfolio, uh, especially when we talk around a little bit around kind of the, uh, the pandemic and obviously the COVID-19 vaccine. So when we talk about that sector as a whole, uh, it, it is quite large. In fact, uh, global spending on healthcare is about 7.8 trillion, uh, and that's forecasted to, to go to about 10 trillion by 2022. It's the second largest sector in the S&P 500 right now. Uh, it, it's got a lot of big companies with a lot of uh, solid ba balance sheets with uh, great cash uh, on hand uh, to continue to grow, pay dividends. Uh, and, and these are the companies we're gonna, we're gonna focus on. They're in the spotlight with, of course, everything that's going on with COVID-19. But let's not focus solely on that COVID-19 aspects because we're hoping, we are hoping, this is gonna be a short-lived issue. What do these companies look like in the longer run? How have they performed in the past? And I always like to look at how they've uh, performed in downturns. So when we look at that sector, if we look at the early 90s, they did outperform by about 16% uh, compared to the, uh, the underlying indexes. Um, you know, through the 9-11 crisis, they outperformed by 8.8%. 8 
Uh, and even we go back to the uh, Great Recession, um, it outperformed by about 10%. So it is it is a sector that doesn't necessarily correlate with um, you know with the broad indexes. Uh, they do do well th during uh, more difficult times in the, in the market. So it's well worth to consider having an exposure there in your portfolio, uh, as they may you know outside of what's going on with the pandemic, they may be a good hedge or at least good performers uh, during a difficult periods in the market. So let's look at the COVID-19 situation. Well, the governments globally have poured about uh, $10 billion into the research around the, uh, the, the vaccines. So there's obviously a lot of money flowing in there. There's currently about six uh, who, uh, different companies in final stages of, of clinical trials to, uh, to bring the vaccine to market. We've heard in recent news, of course, uh, Pfizer and Moderna uh, have come out with uh, over 90%, now both of them saying about 95% effective uh, rate on those vaccines. Um, around the world, uh, there's about 4 billion uh, Ford purchases. So countries who have negotiated to be able to buy those vaccines when they're ready uh, to try to get the distributions, get that distributed through the population. Uh, and, and we gotta maximize that supply really quickly, which we're gonna talk about. Uh, you know, development's one thing, but then you know, obviously getting the supplies out to the world uh, and making that happen. And, and also, you know, spreading that manufacturing capacity around the world. Because if you can imagine, take Pfizer, for example, uh, you know, the 7 billion people plus in the world, uh, Pfizer's vaccine is actually a two-stage vaccine, so you require two dosage. So that's 14 billion vaccines that have to get out there. Pfizer's not going to be able to do that on their own in, in a short period of time. So let's take a look at the companies who are actively uh, working on that. Uh, and here they are. Not, not a complete list of, of all of them, but we got Roche, uh, AstraZeneca, GSK, Johnson & Johnson, uh, a, a big distributor, uh, and, and working on their own vaccine. Novartis, uh, Merck, Pfizer, uh, all working on a vaccine treatment. There's also a lot of them working on testing uh, the testing kits, which of course are going to be still play a vital role as that vaccine roll uh, rollout uh, gets to the world. Uh, and Medtronic's, which is uh, working on the ventilators, uh, making them cheaper, faster to get them out, and the and the global supply of them as uh, as we go in the second wave. I mean, this is going to be the big challenge. Is, is treating people who do actually uh, get exposed to that. So really important to look at these these companies because you know if you look at again going to the Pfizer example, uh, you know in order to to get that rolled out, uh, they're going to have there's going to be a cooperation among these companies. It's going to be a shared uh, production uh, to get to, uh, to to get enough volume produced in a very short period of time to get that rolled out to the world, not just Canada, not just the United States, but of course, globally, uh, the need for that vaccine. And uh, the, it's gonna have to be a, a joint effort between a lot of these companies, and that's what we're looking for. So when we talk about the, the vaccine itself, trying to pick the company that's going to win, uh, and there may be a few of them. The vaccine uh, might be developed by two or three, uh, and, and countries might be buying them from multiple sources in order to get the volumes they needed. So there might be variations as to which vaccines are being used. So trying to bet just on one of these things, I think one of these companies, I think is going to be tough in the portfolio. I think a broader approach is going to be important. And I do, again, I believe sticking with the larger companies who have more diverse income base, 
you know, this is going to be, a, you know, obviously a bit of a win for, for the revenues, but at the same time, uh, they're very diversified as they work through this process. You know, we again, we work global, look globally. There's a lot of other ones out there. Abbott, Innovative, uh, Lilly, um, the uh, Novo Nordic, Nordisk uh, is another one, Novartis. Amgen, the, the Bristol Myers of the world. Uh, it's a very broad market, and this market makes up, you know, the average market size of these companies is about $2.14 billion in market cap. So they're not tiny companies. Uh, they're well established, they've got good cash flows. It's really important to, to look at adding these to your portfolio, especially now. I think it's really interesting time to, to take advantage of that. And put it into your to your your portfolio because if you think about it, not just currently, but as we look moving forward uh, at healthcare, I mean, yes, there's the the COVID nineteen treatment, and obviously that's going to be ongoing. We've got the vaccine that's going to be ongoing, uh, but also global increase in demand. Emerging markets, middle class is 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 expanding massively as emerging markets move into a middle class. They demand higher and and more access to healthcare. So that means more revenues. Uh, more money being spent there. There's the aging baby boomers in the North American and other populations around the world, obviously taking on more healthcare, uh, utilizing more healthcare more, um, from, from the governments or the insurance companies uh, more and more as we age. Uh, historic recessionary resilience in this sector, as we, we talked about before, it's a strong sector performance. Uh, certainly in the last three recessions, uh, it's held up through this, uh, this pandemic. A little bit of different twist because the pandemic, of course, is focused around the healthcare industry. Um, but the other things to really look at here is to take it, you know, make sure that your portfolio's got this exposure. Is healthcare not unlike all sectors currently? And if you if you've watched our video on high tech, uh, technology is being a, is very disruptive these days in in established sectors. Positively disruptive. They're bringing new things, new ways of doing things. You know, we've got uh, robotics going into the healthcare, uh, whether it's surgeries or, or treatments. Uh, we've got internet of medical things, uh, you know, sharing of, of data, being able to have that access around the world, uh, genomics, uh, telehealth, telehealth, uh, also including AI in telehealth. So telehealth has been a massive expansion through this pandemic where people have not been able to, you know, the hospitals have saying, don't come in, doctors are saying, don't come in. We'll do it over the phone, do it over the internet. Just think about your, your maybe your future, not so long in the future, doctor's visit. Could be that you're wearing, you know, my, my watch has all my heart uh, data and information that it can track. I can log on to my system, the doctor comes on, we're on a joint call, I'll go through the questions, he can have my health data there, he can send me for uh, a blood test. Um, we can go back and meet with the doctor again online and review those tests. You know, the idea of going in for uh, your, your checkups, certainly certainly your checkups or mild symptoms, um, there's obviously going to be seri more serious treatments and things that won't be able to be done uh, in the shorter term uh, at home. But that area is going to expand, not just for, for kind of uh, everybody uh, in the general population, but really think about those regional, uh, you know, people in rural areas that can't necessarily get into their doctors or people with limited uh, capacity for uh, movement and getting around, uh, you know, they'll be able to use that. And, and again, looking back at those emerging markets, think about how much more they're going to be able to take advantage of those lower cost ways of doing things. 
And, uh, and if, as we've seen with technology uh, in the past, disruptive technology, um, mature economies, say like North America, uh, tend to take a little bit longer to, to catch on to these things. But upcoming emergent economies will leapfrog. You know, they won't even go through that middle phase. They'll just leapfrog over to that technical that technology phase uh, and jump ahead and get users. We saw that cell phone usage um, was a big example where, you know, emergent markets, everyone had a cell phone, you know, kind of more cell phones than number of people live in there versus North America. While today we are, have caught up and, and have massively used it before a long time, people were still relying on landlines. Maybe a couple of people in the family had a cell phone, but not everybody. Uh, and that took a bit longer time in, in the, um, in the more mature markets out there. Uh, so we'll probably see that leapfrog a lot in the emerging markets. So a lot of opportunity for growth in this sector. I think it's really worthwhile taking a look at. Uh, you look at those large cap names, certainly in our portfolio, Johnson. Johnson's one of my favorite, very diverse base, performed very well over a long period of time. Uh, they are involved in, in the vaccine uh, production or, or development. And they will very likely be in that group that will participate in the distribution of a vaccine when it comes out, or as I said, probably multiple vaccines as they come out. So I do like that one. If you're looking for a, a probably, a, you know, if you're just gonna dip your toe in it and you're a little worried about, you know, picking the right name, there's a lot of good ETFs out there. I do like one by Evolve called Life. The ticker symbol is Life. It's, um, it's a really uh, good diversification. Uh, you know, sticks with the larger companies, and they also use a call writing option. I won't get in that uh, into that uh, strategy today, but they try to throw off a seven percent income distribution per month, uh, sorry, annualized, uh, but distributing the seven percent per month uh, from that ETF. Uh, which, if you're looking for cash flow while you're invested, uh, it's it's a very you know, interesting and unique way to approach it. And I do think they're doing a really good job there. So do take a look at that or give me a call. Uh, happy to help you out with, uh, with uh, looking at that and seeing how it might fit into your portfolio. If you want to get a hold of us, thanks for joining us as always, but get a hold of us, go to mikeonmoney.com. You can sign up to our newsletter there. We're just starting our podcast. So these are going to be available on podcasts. You'll be able to access that from there. Uh, we do weekly webinars every Tuesday at noon where we do a market recap for the week. What, what happened last week, what's happening next week. And we also take uh, a dive into uh, well, to hot topics that are going on that week that we, uh, that we have to go deeper into. We do these regular videos, Mike on Money. Uh, they, we try to get those out weekly. We put out cash management or guaranteed rates. People who are looking for, you know, that the GICs or just getting the top interest that they possibly can these days. Uh, we run that. We have regular commentaries. You can follow us on social media. We put those out. And we host regular live events with experts around the world. So go to Mike on Money. Check us out there. If you have any suggestions or you want to let us know what you thought of this, love to hear from you. Um, reach out. Tell us any topics you'd like us to take a deep dive into. Well, we're always looking for ideas and happy to accommodate those. So with that, thank you and have a great day.